Welcome. You're listening to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. On today's episode, we're going to celebrate the history, heritage, legacy, and influence of the music of New Orleans and Louisiana with Take Me to the River New Orleans with film director Martin Shore and producer Ian Neville. When you come, you look at all of New Orleans. Don't just go on Bourbon Street and drink hurricanes. Of course, do that one time, you know, and, uh, you know, have fun with it. But, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more. And so getting that story out that this culture is precious. It's real. We're lucky to have New Orleans in our country. You know, it's just such a, a, a precious cultural jewel for the world. And it's just, there's no other place like it. You just heard Martin Shore, director of the new film, Take Me to the River, New Orleans, a film that celebrates the rich musical history, the heritage, legacy, and influence of New Orleans and Louisiana. During a recent visit to New Orleans, we sat down with Martin and Ian at the Marriott in the French Quarter. Take Me to the River, New Orleans is the second of Martin's music documentaries in the River series. The first film focused on the music of Memphis. But our conversation started with a discussion about his filmmaking process. I've kind of classified my own type of filmmaking, and it's, I'm not the exclusive one doing it, but it's a living documentary, so it's, it's different than like a Ken Burns documentary, who I'm a big fan of, but I, I mean, that's, it's a very historically driven type of film, relying on talking heads and archival materials. Um, this film is, is about um, letting you as a viewer feel like we did when we were in the room and <laughs> kind of pulling back the, the curtain and allowing you to see masters and legacy musicians, stars of today, um, going through their creative process and um, learning how to collaborate together and breaking down walls as we're doing it, whether it be generation, whether it be gender, whether it be race, uh, whatever it is. Um, and it, it's important um, for people to see transparency how it works in real life right yeah um, we're lucky as musicians we have to be transparent otherwise we, we we don't know what we're playing right we have to know what we're doing um, so it's uh, it, it's it's a process and I call it a living documentary because it's an evergreen meaning that you can come back in six months or a year or two years and it still feels fresh it still feels as if you were living that moment. And to me, I've had people um, say, oh yeah, I'm just checking in with my friends. I wanted to see Skip again. You know, I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to see Ian's father, Art, again. Uh, you know, or I wanted to, um, I wanted to feel that, that presence again, you know, or that influence or that inspiration. So it, they're, they're meant to be evergreens and that's why I call it a living documentary. Yeah. Before we get into your newest film, Take Me to the River, New Orleans, one of the things that struck me about Take Me to the River, the first one that dealt with the Memphis music, was 
to have these masters working with young people who are in the school program, that was so moving and so powerful. Uh, and just to have that energy and that magic and to see that collaboration across generations was powerful. And to hear these masters say to these young people, you've got this, you're going places. That was, that was fantastic because it cut across so many of these lines where we may say, oh, young people, what what do they know? And, and uh, to have these masters affirm that for young people, I thought was one of the great things about that film. I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, the interesting thing is, is real true mentoring goes both ways, right? And um, what some of these, you know, legacy musicians learned from the younger um, musicians, and uh, in some cases, um, different walks of life completely right not just generation but different genre um just sort of a whole different point of view right and you know um with take me to the river memphis uh mixing rap with other types of genre was new we were sort of um cutting you know new ground um so the crossing eras like that you did in that one was new ground yes I mean? yeah that was yeah, that was fresh. Cool. I mean, it, it, I think, you know, we started something because you can see more of that going on now. Yeah. Not only genre crossing, but generation crossing and uh, gender, you know, more gender crossing, uh, of course. But um, I think Otis Clay said it best. You know, it's not it's not a it's not a generation gap. It's a communication mm -hmm. gap. And you know that's all. All we have to commit to is committing yes. to communicate and to cooperate, and we can we can do great things. Absolutely. So, Ian, why did you want to be involved with this, the New Orleans uh, production? This kind of piggybacks on what he said a minute ago, but it's this project is more like an aquarium experience than like an archaeological dig because it's all still happening and growing and, and evolving together, which is, is the vibe we all got when we got different sets of musicians into these sessions. Uh, whether it be a group of all New Orleans people that seems like a natural fit, or when we had Snoop and G-Eazy and George Porter and Big Sam and myself and my cousin Ivan and all of us figuring out how to make something new out of common ground. Did you, I mean, I mentioned you come from a legacy family. Everyone knows about the Neville brothers and the, the Neville uh, cousins. Almost, and, not everybody. But well, <laughs> anyone who's woke knows about the Neville family. Did you learn something new about your community, about um, the style of New Orleans music? And I really don't know if New Orleans has a style. I think there's several styles that uh, that are the New Orleans sound. But did you learn something new through this process? I got to work with a lot of new people that I hadn't got to record with before. Um, that was cool and great experience and exciting. And and one of the familiar things that got reiterated through this project was something that a lot of the New Orleans community learned after Katrina when we were all displaced was how close-knit of a like family scene it is in New Orleans for all the bands so I'm in a I'm in a band my homies in this band we know guys in that band and sometimes we all switch and play in this band together and it's a real communal thing whereas 
when we were all relocated briefly, there was a vibe within the music scene where I was that was like real competitive against band to band, as opposed to like, um, you know, a tide rises all ships kind of vibe. It was it was very competitive against each other. Whereas here it's like a communal band pool of musicians, and that got uh, solid that concept was solidified through this project. I think Martin in the original film that focused on Memphis. Clearly, the historical moment that put Memphis front and center was the assassination of Dr. Mm -hmm. King. When we think about New Orleans in contemporary history, it's Katrina, it's yeah. that seminal moment. How was that dealt with in this film and the stories that you're able to weave around that narrative? It's a great question. Um, so the film uh, Memphis and New Orleans uh, they're three-act plays, uh, and each session really is a three-act play. Um, but in terms of the film itself, there's pre-Katrina, Katrina, Katrina uh, you know, and the possibility of this amazing culture, heritage, legacy being, you know, wiped out. Mm. And then there's post-Katrina, where there's sort of the phoenix rising up mm -hmm. out of the water, not ashes <laughs> but um some cases there was both yeah another yeah. topic but um <laughs> so yeah i think just like in the martin luther king um scenario in memphis there was a, kind of a tectonic shift in uh, here it was a little bit more subtle and in memphis it was very very yeah. distinct um but neighborhoods changed the way uh you know sort of the way the community was knitted together, changed a bit, right? And, um, you know, things adjusted to it. And New Orleans has, if you go through its history, has always ad adjusted to different things that happen. I mean, one of the most significant things in New Orleans history is the Haitian slave revolt mm -hmm. and how that really changed the whole face of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it, it has always adjusted and there's really great things about post-Katrina. Um, you know, and I, I think the, that, that the, the future of New Orleans is always going to be great as long as we pay attention to it and as long as we support it and nourish it. And um, that comes in having people come and and experience it personally. So that connection becomes deep, you know, it becomes personal and real. And so the film is, and the, and the record, uh, and our education uh, initiative is all about drawing people to come to New Orleans and experience it and, you know, start the New Orleans adventure, mm -hmm. you know? Amen. I'm, yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do an empty one here, but cheers. So you 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 mentioned um, you know the need to really the need for stewardship. I'll, I'll just say for New Orleans, where have where has society failed uh, the, the 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 caring the caretaking of. New Orleans music and uh, and, and uh, history and society and what can we do better going fo forward other than coming to New Orleans and uh, enjoying the uh, atmosphere? I'll take this one. I think um, when something 
is so good, it tends to be taken for granted. And um, the proper uh, amount of support and nourishment um, and attention sometimes uh, wanes and sort of, um, you know, just sort of gets lost because it, it's just sort of, it's a given, it's, it's over there. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, is anything that is this precious, um, that literally could be destroyed, you know, via, you know, Mother Earth or, uh, you know, acts of God, whatever, um, needs to always be paid attention to uh, and supported, you know, and uh, there's, there's some really good things that are happening uh, in the city um, where uh, these, the, the history, the heritage, the culture will be, um, will be permanently documented. You know, there's, I can't really talk too much about some of these things, but there's, uh, you know, different museum talks and um, the Louisiana um, trail that's um, being uh, put together. So, you know, the state of Louisiana is doing some good, good stuff. And um, NOLA, New Orleans and NOLA and company is doing some great things to just make sure that when you come, you look at all of New Orleans, don't just go on Bourbon Street and drink hurricanes. Of course, do that one time, you know, and, uh, you know, have fun with it. But, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more. And so getting that story out that this culture is precious, it's real. We're lucky to have New Orleans in our country. You know, it's just such a, a, a precious cultural jewel for the world. And it's just, there's no other place like it. One of the things about New Orleans is that it gets up in you. And we had James Carville say that to you about to us when we had him on the show years ago. This is a special place. And even though we're not from here, we're very much attached to the city. And Ian, I want to ask you, as someone who grew up here, uh, the magic, that DNA about New Orleans, how, just help people understand why this place is so special. I think people come here and they immediately feel a feeling that it's not like anywhere else. Um, it's hard to pinpoint, but like just examples from when I was a kid growing up, numerous people would come down here and be like, hey, I'm visiting New Orleans. And then they just never leave to go back to get any of their stuff. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I think I got all I need here now. And they kind of recalibrate what's important to them when they get here. And it turns into the aspects that are, are, are the markers of our culture. You know, the, the music, the food, our, our, um, the southern familiness of mm -hmm. everyone to a degree at times when it's crucial anyway. Um, yeah, it's all those kind of aspects that don't exist in other places that, that haven't been talking talk about New Orleans being able to adapt and adjust through the years. New Orleans was here before the United States was here, so we had to morph and adjust through all that, and uh, we're still doing it. Yeah. yeah. Doing it strong. Yeah. You're listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that illuminates our common humanity and uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Support World Footprints by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. 
This will help other like-minded and interested travelers find us. Also, please join the World Footprints community by subscribing to our newsletter from worldfootprints.com. I'm not sure, but I'm almost positive that all music came from New Orleans. Ernie K. Doe. Here's more of our conversation with film director Martin Shore and producer-musician Ian Neville about their latest film, Take Me to the River, New Orleans, a film that celebrates the rich musical history, the heritage, legacy, and influence of New Orleans and Louisiana. I want to ask you, Ian, when, when we look at this film, there's always you know, these uh, magical moments or these moments of improvisation that come through. Can you point to any of those moments, magic moments for you in being part of the film or in some of the sessions that uh, you were part of? Um, I'm gonna go to the part that featured my family because uh, that was an, I'm gonna call it an incident. That was an incident <laughs> that wouldn't have happened if it, if all the proper channels, pre-planning and all that um, needed to take place at the time. The way that happened was because we are a family. And it was like, oh, some of us are here, let's pull in this this, this person, that person, and oh, well, now we got the whole crew, we can recreate something super special. And uh, luckily timing worked out, like in life-wise, and just uh, local daily timing, and uh, it worked out for us, and we captured some special moments. I mentioned to Martin that I'm a Motown girl, and I asked whether he had plans to add Detroit to his River Film series. I also asked about his purpose for creating these music documentaries. Well, there's unique stories that really need to be told. Um, the Mississippi Delta and New Orleans are really big pieces of American culture. We don't have Dorothic and Corinthian pillars or impressionistic painters. What we have is our music. And our music has influenced and inspired the world's popular music. It's still doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, go check out Africa right now. I mean, they're rapping their, their butts off. It's crazy, <laughs> right? And in India, you know, to traditional Indian music, uh, and even in the Middle East now, you know, so we're still rapping around the world. Um, and, you know, like I used to say, like the ancient, ancient Memphians, they chronicled their culture with, with, you know, big pyramids and mm -hmm. tombs and hieroglyphics. And, you know, they tried to, to tell people who they were, right? And we're doing that as Americans and we shall all stand proud. I know we take a lot of hits on different stuff around the world, but our music we should stand tall and proud. Mm -hmm. And as a New Orleanian, as a New Orleanian musician, we are giving the world something extra special. And that needs to always be recognized. And one thing I'll just go back to, um, New Orleans is not an easy place to live in, mm -hmm. right? There is constant worry about the weather Mm -hmm. and about, you know, um, things that, that might happen. <laughs> no, but, but the spirit, the spirit overcomes all of that in such a seamless way that, that um, nobody ever thinks about uh, how much goes into creating this wonderful place to visit 
this incredible culture and um, please come and support all of the businesses, the musicians, um, the wonderful attractions that are here. Because, you know, it's, it's, it takes work to provide this, and I think sometimes that's taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as a very dear friend of mine once said, uh, New Orleans has a waterproof soul, and that soul shines. You know, it, it persevere. It survives. <laughs> I will survive. <laughs> Gloria. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you have plans to, to do mm. Detroit? I'm going back to that question. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Detroit is an amazing, um, you know, obviously musical city, um, and it's produced. You know. Uh, we all know the legacy of Motown is so deep. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that there's a lot more to tell there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's rich, yeah. but I, I think um, there's some other stories that might be um, more, uh, I guess, urgent to mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. You know, the story of Motown. And, and Barry Gordy, it, it, it sort of was like a, a one-man you know, movement, right? Um, I mean, there was other artists that did come out of Detroit, but I mean, it, it was a big movement and it was, right. um, you know, he assembled it like a like a, a car factory, yeah. right? I mean, you go Assembly in one room line, and, yes. and yeah, you go in one room, you learn how to style your hair. You go <laughs> in the next room, you learn how to dance. That you go in the other room, you learn how to dress. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, he, ha he had it down you know, and I think it's it's been documented, you know, pretty well. Um, it's not to say we'll never go there, yeah. but, but I think there's some some other the other stories that that need to be told. Mm -hmm. But even if you just stick to the Mississippi River, you've got St. Louis, a place where we've spent a lot of time in, and a lot of rich history, a lot of rich musical history, and then at the other end, the the source of the Mississippi. Minneapolis and Lake yeah. Atasca. And so when we talk about modern music, there's so much to tell uh, just following the river, so to speak. Definitely. Um, and one of my big wishes, and this is like a gigantic story, is to do London and go to the Thames River wow. and you know, change it up completely. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that story is so big because our music created like a whole new music that mm -hmm. came that that got repackaged and came over here you know and they called it the british invasion but it was our it was, it was all our our artillery <laughs> yeah, we, we, gave them, yeah. we gave them all the tanks and guns and all the weapons <laughs> man you know and they just yeah. repackaged it and came over here just you know blew us away yeah. <laughs> oh that would be that would be excellent i I have to ask you, will the, the New Orleans take me to the river New Orleans? Will it break my heart with the, I mean, there, there, you tugged at my heartstrings when we watched the Memphis movie. Is New Orleans going to have the same effect with the loss of uh, some of our masters and just yep. the, the, the story? It's going to get you. And, It'll oh, get you. Yeah. It's going to get you. Because, yeah. that, was, that was the topic of conversation at the beginning of this project was that aspect of the Memphis one. Yeah. I was cognizant of that and noticed that part of that story. And 
had this story not been recorded and captured and told when we did, mm -hmm. there wouldn't be that nostalgia end of it because the people involved wouldn't have been here to tell that story. Right. So the and timing was crucial. And the fact that it stings a little bit on some of it is because it needed to be captured when it did or it would have been lost. So. When did you start filming New Orleans? Uh, because Memphis seemed like you did it, you filmed it over a, a number of years. These projects just take a long time. Yeah. Right. You know, because the, the reality is, is you have to get it right. Mm -hmm. And getting it right means that it plays for the home, for the hometown. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you do it right and the hometown blesses what it is and what it's trying to do then it will play everywhere in the world mm -hmm. so it, it just it it just takes a while unfortunately we ran into this thing called the pandemic and that added like two years to the whole thing because mm -hmm. i refused to release the film without it having a chance to be in theaters mm -hmm. um you know we mixed we mixed we mix it skywalker and it's the you know the best um theater sound you're gonna you're gonna get and um i want people to experience that and especially students and we got a grant recently so that um students can um go to the theater and experience it, the the theater experience together um and then you know have some academic prompts after but uh the reality is is um these projects take take a while uh to get it right we are a nonprofit, so uh, you know, getting musicians to do, you know, uh, the nonprofit, you know, session, the nonprofit rate, you know, all of that. It it, it it's not the highest priority. Sure. Uh, so you know, you just have to, to you have to wait. You have to be strategic. Uh, a lot of our filming um, for uh, for New Orleans happened um, during you know. Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest because all the musicians are here in town, but at the same time, they're busy as hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, you know, we had to juggle, so. One of the things that struck me about the Memphis film is that there was this community of musicians that transcended race. And to see yes. them working together at Stacks, whether they were background singers or session musicians, and, and just the love and appreciation that they had for each other. And during volatile yeah. times in, in, in yeah. the city's history. So as we think about New Orleans and this music community, are we going to see that dimension shared with the, the world about about the collaboration that transcends race because that's been front and center at, at so many of the issues that we're continuing to deal with. Absolutely. I mean, probably one of the greatest uh, examples is the session with uh, Galactic, Manny Fresh, D1, Big Frida, <laughs> Erica Falls. I mean, we had, all, yeah, we had everything. Yeah, 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 we had yeah, yeah, everything yeah, we needed yeah, on I mean, that crew, for there, sure. There you go, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's one of the most fire tracks on the well, on the record, I feel like, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's a big part of, of the, the social movement mm -hmm. is to break down barriers and to make sure that um, generations to come will appreciate it 
because they're seeing people like themselves in it, right? So if, if, if you're able to span the generations, you're able to have that evergreen that we yeah. talked about earlier. Yeah. It's usually the stu these studio families and groups uh, and camps that we're talking about that are at the, the, the spearhead of, of breaking through any kind of, uh, of segregation type of aspects of it, like um, Slime the Family Stone, Booker T and the MGs, like, um, several acts down here just had women and men together in groups and like um that it was always the musicians that were the most open-minded that probably not a coincidence just uh, saying well it was most <laughs> exemplified too i mean i think new orleans was going through the same exact thing that stacks and memphis was going through yeah. in the 60s in the same way you know at sea saint it, it was really like sort of the equivalent to some of the studios in memphis mm -hmm. uh you know uh most people don't even know what uh, Booker T and the MGs, what the MGs stood for. You know, it didn't stand for the car. It's mixed group. You know, Booker T and the mixed group. You know, they didn't know if it was a white group or a black group. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they didn't really put pictures out. You know, uh, so uh, it, 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 that that was like the underlying. Yeah, and that, it's a beautiful thing about music. It's a universal language, and as you know, socially conscious travel media platform as we are, you know, bridging that cultural gap. That's what music does as well. So, gentlemen, I thank you so much. Um, I wish we had more time, but I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, well, let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> We saw Take Me to the River New Orleans after we sat down with Martin and Ian and my expectations of a powerful music documentary were really met. I, you know, the expectations I had following the, our viewing of Memphis, which was uh, really um, awe-inspiring to me. Both films, uh, the one on Memphis and the one on New Orleans, really show this intergenerational reach of music in both of these cities. And what I loved about both films and what I loved about New Orleans is that you had musicians, many of whom were known locally in New Orleans, but perhaps not so much on a bigger scale, but their influence was vast and wide. And the people who knew each other within the community, they knew who the superstars were. And even the young people in these communities, they came to know who, who these giants were. And you see that reflected in the movie. And it's great to see how young people who are in band programs pick up and take to the teaching from these masters. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff to see that as it plays out. Right. And, you know, and I've always said music is a universal language. It's something we all relate to. And the fact that we saw in his two uh, documentaries, white musicians and black musicians coming together, creating something special. And even in tumultuous times in our country's history, like during the civil rights movement, during riots, um, when black and white were not supposed to be together, were not supposed to be integrated, um, but where they, they protected each other and stood up for each other. And I think that's very, very powerful. And I think that's one of my, uh, the favorite messages that I took from uh, this film series. 
In closing, it's befitting that we reflect on the words of Ellis Marsalis, a former guest of World Footprints and the late patriarch of the Marsalis family, another New Orleans musical family. In New Orleans, culture doesn't come down from on high. It bubbles up from the streets. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are so happy that you're here. It's our pleasure to feed your wanderlust and share our beautiful human tapestry with you. Please support us with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love for you to join our community, so please subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter from our website at worldfootprints.com. Our newsletter is full of travel news, tips, and resources, including our favorite links. Thank you for your support and for giving us the space to share the world through the stories we offer on World Footprints. And until we meet again next time, be kind to one another. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.